How's everybody doing tonight? Well, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Jared. I'm one of the worship pastors here. And uh, I'm very excited, very excited for the word God has given me for us tonight. And so to kick things off, uh, my wife and I, my family, we just got back from vacation. We drove to Hot Springs, Arkansas. And yes, it was hot in Hot Springs, Arkansas this time of year. Thank you. Um, we drove down there. We have four kids, 11 and down, and uh, we didn't have any DVD player or anything like that in the car. And uh, when you map it out, it says it's about a 13-hour drive, just under 13 hours. But how many of you guys know when you have four young children, that drive time extends a little bit, you know? Uh, so we were about 15, 16 hours one way. So we are in the car for about 30 hours round trip. And it was a great time, lots of fun, lots of fun. We listened to about three songs on repeat the entire drive. It was <laughs> only had a couple of moments when I had to turn around and say, I will turn this car around right now. Only had a few of those. It was good. But to illustrate, I thought it would be a lighthearted way to kind of kick off the service. We took a little video of one of these songs. And this video is a great example of my kids for the entirety of the trip. Let's go ahead and watch that real quick. My oldest daughter, she's kind of shy and real reserved when you're around her. But once she warms up to you, I mean, that's her all the time. It was, it was a trip. It was awesome. So that's a good segue into on that trip, <laughs> you know, uh, God spoke to me. God spoke to me and downloaded what we're going to be talking about tonight and next Wednesday. And so... Uh, what I want to talk about, let me tell you a little story of what happened on this trip. Uh, my in-laws, they have a house there in Hot Springs, Arkansas. That's where they live. And around the Hot Springs area, there's Wachita Lake. Wachita Lake, it's a beautiful part of Arkansas. It's a really, really big lake, a deep lake. And uh, it's really world-renowned for being able to scuba dive down into the lake. And people like to scuba dive and go spearfishing for these really, really 
big uh, striped bass. It's kind of a unique lake that you can go and do that. And so we, we go to this lake. We, we rent a boat. My in-laws rented a boat. It was one of those double-decker uh, boats that you could jump out, cannonball off the top. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, my sister and brother-in-law, they were also there. They brought their boat down. And so we're, we find this little cove uh, in the lake, and it's got these really cool cliffs that you can jump off of and into the water. And uh, the water there is really deep. My brother-in-law dropped an anchor, and uh, he had to add some rope to it. It was so deep to get to the bottom. And so we tied off to that anchor, and we hung out there. We're hanging out, swimming, having a great time, and I hear thunder. And I look over, and I see these massive, really dark clouds, lightning, thunder. A storm is coming in, and it's coming fast. And we had to pull that anchor. We had to get out of there. And my brother-in-law goes to pull the anchor, and he can't pull it. It's stuck on the bottom. And right at that moment, God spoke to me. And he said, when the storms come, what are you anchored to? What are you anchored to when the storms come? The storms of life, they're going to come. They're coming. Every single person in this room can say they either are going through a storm right now or they have been through a storm. And so that's what God downloaded. That's what we're going to talk about. Tonight we're going to talk about the importance of staying anchored in Jesus Christ. And then next week we're going to talk about some of the practical disciplines that God has given us to stay anchored in our relationship with God. You know, we can often think about our anchor being Jesus Christ, that God is our anchor. But the reality is our anchor in this word picture God is represented really by the sea bottom or the lake bottom because that is the thing that is not moving. Just like Pastor Ryan said, God is not moving. God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And really, our anchor is our relationship with God, our relationship to Jesus Christ because God is not changing. More specifically, our hope, our hope in his eternal promises. And really, that's what we're going to dive into tonight. Staying anchored in Jesus Christ is about holding on to those eternal promises and our hope in Jesus Christ. I want to go to the portion of scripture we're going to camp on tonight and for next week. Could I, I love to do this. If you guys are okay with this, let's all stand up in honor of God's word as I read this portion of scripture I love it when I go to a church and everyone stands in honor of God's word. Can we do that tonight? I want to read Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation tonight. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. 
this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Oh, amen. Let's all, stand, uh, let's all sit down. That's a powerful portion of Scripture, isn't it? I love that. I love that. So much to unpack there. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Our hope in God, our hope in God and his eternal promises keeps us anchored in life through the good, through the bad. And you know, God's word, the Bible, I mean, you can study it and study it every second of every day for the rest of your life and still not exhaust all of God's word and all there is to glean from it and to pull from it. But at the end of the day, I love how God makes it simple. Jesus listed the two most important commandments. That's love God, and this is the Jared paraphrase, love God and love people. God wants us to get it. God wants us to understand, and he wants us to understand this hope. That's why there in chapter 6, God uses his covenant with Abraham for us to glean from, for us to get. I want to give you guys a backdrop. The covenant God made with Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. I'm going to say Abram because before God made this covenant with Abraham, his name was Abram with no H, and his wife's name was Sarai. When Abram was 99 years old, God appeared to him. And he says to him, I'm making a covenant with you. And he tells Abram that he will be the father of many nations. I love how God tells Abraham something that he can hope for, and it's something that only God can do, right? God gives Abram and his wife, Sarai, a new name at this point. When he makes a covenant with him, he gives them a new name. He adds an H to both of their names. And in the Hebrew alphabet, that letter H, it also means to breathe on, to breathe on. And so he added his H, and he breathed on the both of them. That's a beautiful picture. The takeaway for that is that when we come to Jesus, when God breathes on us and he breathes on our heart, he makes us a new creation, and we can hope in the fact that God is doing a new thing in us and through us as a new creation that only he can do, just like the covenant he made with Abraham. In the face of what's said cannot be done in the natural God is saying, stay close to me and watch me do what only I can do. So no matter what you're up against today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what storm you may be going through, know this, that God has started a work in you that he is faithful to finish. He has started something in your heart, no matter how deep the valley may seem that you're in right now, or no matter how deep the valley may appear, maybe down the road, God's bigger and you stay close to him and watch him pull you out of that valley. Amen? I want to define hope, not the way the world sees it. I want to define biblical hope. What is biblical hope? Here's the definition. Biblical hope is our confident expectation in God's promises and in the strength of his faithfulness. I'll say that again. Biblical hope is our confident expectation in God's promises and in the strength of his faithfulness. His faithfulness. Our faith in God, it's rooted in the hope 
of his promises. And so this isn't a legalistic thing. This isn't, okay, I got to read my 10 chapters today. I got to get there. What God is saying there is God desires a relationship with you. Our biblical hope is rooted in our relationship with a loving father who has promised his kids good things, and he is unchanging. And so the things that he says, he will not, he will not change on them. He will not go back on them. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you brought your Bible today. Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to as the hall of faith. It lists out a lot of great men and women of God in Scripture that have been great examples of faith exercised. It defines faith right here. God defines faith for us. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Our faith is rooted in our hope in God and in his promises. And so there's a progression you can start to notice here. Our faith is rooted in God and in his promises, which is based on the fact that he is a loving father. We see the progression and the connection between faith, hope, and love. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read verse 7. 1 Corinthians 13, you you hear it a lot at weddings. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Verse 7, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And down in verse 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. God tells us that these three things will last forever. You guys see the the relationship there? That when we have hope, a confident hope in God's promises, and we know that it is rooted and based in God's love for us, that we have a loving Father that sees us with eternity in mind, and he always has the best for us, then we can walk our faith out a lot easier. We can walk out our faith. It's been said, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. When you walk out your faith, people notice, right? You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to preach at them. People notice, hey, what's different about you, man? There's your open door. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about what he did for you. Keep the faith. Keep the hope. God calls us to hope in him and in his eternal promises. Don't put your hope in temporal things. God opened my eyes to something recently. I want to tell you guys. um, We have to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. How many of you guys know we have an enemy to our faith? And he's trying to take you out of the game. That's why Paul said to fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight sometimes, right? Especially when those storms of life hit. I want to tell you guys about something that that I've been going through the last couple of months. 
Um, and God really opened my eyes to this, this whole hope thing and staying anchored in Jesus Christ. So a couple months ago, uh, I was doing a wedding ceremony for a couple friends of mine. They'd asked me to do their wedding for them. And so I show up on a Friday to do the wedding rehearsal. And I get a phone call as I get out of my car and I start to walk into the wedding rehearsal. My sister calls me and says, hey, Jared, um, I just got a phone call that mom collapsed leaving work. She's in the hospital right now. I don't have any details. Um, but I'm on my way to the hospital right now to find out more. Keep your phone on you. I said, okay. I, I go in and I do the wedding rehearsal. My mom and my sister, my, most of my family, they live on the east side of the state, just about an hour north of the Detroit area there. And uh, I get done with the wedding rehearsal, and my sister calls me back. And she's crying. She's bawling. And she says, Jared, you need to find somebody else to do that wedding because the doctors say mom's not going to make it. And you need to get over here. And uh, praise God, God worked it all out. There was another pastor friend of ours that was doing some scripture reading. So he was already at the wedding rehearsal. And he was able to, to do the wedding. And so I drive over to the east side. And, you know, it's a two and a half, three hour drive. And the entire drive over there. You know, when those storms hit. All you know to do is pray. All you know to do is say, God, I, I can't do anything right now in the natural. I got nothing. Lord, I need you. Work a miracle, please, Lord. But when those storms hit, what's the first thing the enemy is going to attack? He's going to attack your hope in God's eternal promises. He's going to attack your hope in God and say, is God really big enough to fix this, God can't do this. And when that happens, and believe me, if you haven't experienced that, and I'm, I'm confident everybody in this room has, that's when you have to make the decision. Are you going to stay anchored in Christ? Or are you going to pull up that anchor and let the storm take you wherever it's going to take you? And so as I get to the hospital and over the next week, uh, I get to the hospital. My mom, um, she had had a heart attack, is what they said. And she went upwards of about, it could have been more than 30 minutes without a pulse. And so the doctor said there was no cognitive brain function left. And as for the next week, as I'm sitting next to my mom's bed and I'm holding on to hope that God can still do a miracle, all the while, the enemy is attacking that hope. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to sink my anchor down into Christ and know that no matter what the outcome is, that God is still good, God is still on the throne, still in control, God still loves me, God still loves my mom who is laying in that bed, and his plan is good even if it doesn't make sense to me. Because I don't want to fit God's infinite being into my finite thinking. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than my ways. And so 
That's the hope I was holding on to, that no matter what the outcome, that God is still good. You know, it's been said, the basis of all our theology, theology books, book after book after book, all of it can be rooted in this, these three words, God is good. And I like to add on there all the time. (laughs) And my mom did not pull through that. About a week later, she went home to be with the Lord. But you know what? I know she's dancing with Jesus right now. Amen? And that gives me a confident hope in things eternal to know that no matter what the storm is around me, God has me in the palm of his hand, and he's a good father, and he's saying, son, just stay close to me because I'll get you through this. Amen? But you know what? Through those storms, the enemy is always trying to take your focus off of God's eternal promises, and he's trying to get your hope into temporal things. There's an amazing connection between hope and worship that we need to see tonight. When we hope for things passionately, we end up pursuing them. We end up pursuing them. And the the enemy knows if he can get your hope in temporal things, that he's going to entice your heart away from God. Hear me out, you guys. You know, Oh, man, if I, if I just made a little bit more money, if I just drove that car, that one right there, I'd be set. If I could just find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Oh. If I could just change my spouse in this area. Those are temporal things. God is saying, Don't focus on those. Don't pursue those. Pursue me and let me work all of that out. Even as I was watching my mom on a hospital bed, we're blessed to have the medical technology that we do today. Amen? We're blessed. We're blessed to have the doctors that we have. But even in that, I know my hope was in the great physician. My hope was in a God that can work miracles. And you know what? God in his sovereignty, he called my mom home. And as many tears as I may shed over that, I know God is still good. And so on the other side of that storm, I can stand here and say, God is still good. Don't let a storm derail you in your walk with Christ. Don't let a storm Cause you to pull up your anchor. Now, granted, the story I told in the beginning, we had to pull that anchor up. We had to get out of there. I don't want to be in the middle of a giant lake with lightning all around me. <laughs> but in the middle of the storms of life, God is saying, set your anchor right here with me. And I won't let this storm take you anywhere. Okay? Amen? I got way off my notes right there. Even if you're not feeling hopeful, even if you're not feeling that, you know, research has shown even if you're not feeling happy, the physical act of making yourself smile can actually improve your mood. 
That's because God designed you to hope beyond what you're feeling. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, God says that God is greater than your feelings. God is greater than your feelings. So I'll go back to the, the testimony with my mom. As I stood there and watched my mom, I wasn't feeling super hopeful, but I had to remind myself. I spoke it out loud. I prayed over my mom as much as I possibly could, knowing that God is still in the business of working miracles. And at the end of the day, like I said, I know she's dancing with Jesus right now. God is still good. But the connection between hope and worship, as the enemy tries to distract you, as the enemy tries to get your focus and your hope on temporal things, almost always you will end up worshiping those things that your hope is in. And, you know, when we, when we come together, when we worship, worship is a lifestyle. It's not just, you know, 25 minutes or so before the message, Right? Amen? It's the way you live every single day. But we will end up worshiping those things that we put our hope in. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I know you guys can think of sporting events, super fans, face paint, chest paint, hoping in their team. A lot of times, those things we pursue so passionately can become idols in our heart and in our life and get in the way of God, getting in the way of our relationship with God. I know for me personally, I studied music in college, and I, I, I hoped, I thought, man, if I could just get that one gig, oh, I'd be set. I'd have my foot in the door, and I pursued it. I pursued it, and it became an idol in my life that pulled me away from God. God got a hold of me, though. And pulled me back and said, use your gift for me. Yeah. Amen. And so diving back into Hebrews 6, we can see a progression. We can see a progression. I want to give us four points. Four points to kind of take away for tonight. And then I want to pray. I want to start at verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. First point, we stand on hope. We stand on hope. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. I encourage you to bring pen and paper next week. The first point is we stand. We stand. Let's go back up to verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. You know, if you think about God telling us there and the covenant that they're talking about and describing between Abraham and God, do you think God made that covenant and that oath for God? Or do you think he did it for us? Because God is unchanging. He does not lie. God knows when he says something, it stands. And I believe God gave us that promise and that oath for our benefit because we are fickle people. Amen? How many times have we encountered somebody or we have been that person 
that has not been completely solid to maybe something we have said. I've been there. That never happens with God. And he gave us that promise and that oath so that we could have a confident hope so that we could stand on his promises. Number two, we run to God. So number one, we stand. Number two, we run. We run to God. Later in verse 18, God says, Therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. We who have fled to him for refuge. God is saying there that when the storms come, we need to run to him for refuge. We need to sink our anchor down that much more into Jesus Christ. Point number three. God gives confidence. God gives confidence. Number one, we stand. Number two, we run. Number three is confidence. You could say God-fidence, it's been said. Verse 19 says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. That's your anchor. That's your anchor, our confident hope in God's promises. And if you want to know what God's promises are, this book is full of them. Full of them. And number four, we're led into God's place of peace. So if you're taking notes, just write God's place of peace. Verse 20, Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. If you, if you look, whenever you see, just a side note, Melchizedek in Scripture, if you're wondering what that is, who that was, whenever you see a reference to Melchizedek in the Old Testament or in Scripture, those are Old Testament th appearances of Jesus Christ. Theologians call them Christophanies. Uh, in Scripture, the silence about Melchizedek's birth and death his priestly pedigree, it, it's an illustration of the eternal nature of Jesus Christ. The eternal uh, nature and character of Christ's eternal priesthood. But I love this. Number four, we're led into God's place of peace. And I want to read that first part of verse 20. Jesus has already gone in there for us. We're led into God's place of peace where Jesus is already there. And the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. We stand on God's promises. We run to him as our refuge. And in that place of peace, in that place of peace, we are anchored, we're confident in those promises, and we are anchored, and Jesus Christ is right there to meet us in his presence, giving us a peace that the world says we should not have, giving us a supernatural peace in the midst of a storm, no matter what that storm is that you're going through. Stay anchored in Christ. He never changes. God's never going to give up on you. 
God sees you in light of eternity. And he's right here to meet your every need right now. Whatever you're facing in this room tonight, no matter what's heavy on your heart, and I believe there are heavy hearts in this room tonight. Know this, that God is here to meet you, and he's calling you into that place of peace. He's just saying, child, run to me, and I'll take care of you. I'll get you through this storm. Amen? Let's all bow our heads. I want to pray. Let's all bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's just meditate for a second. on the fact that God is in the room with us right now. Jesus Christ called Emmanuel, God with us, right now. First off, I just want to ask, with boldness, I want to ask the same question, and I want to give an invitation to the same thing I raised my hand to years ago. If you're in this room and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, with every head bowed, every eye closed, or the second part of that, if you once walked closely with God, but you feel like your relationship has fallen away, and you feel like God is saying to you tonight, come back. Come back to me. Choose me. Walk with me. If you're one of those people tonight, I want you to raise your hand. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you. God, I need to know you, or God, I need to come back to you. pray with these that raise their hand. Father God, let's pray together. Father God, right now in this place, I choose you. I invite you into my heart. And I ask you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Help me to forgive others. And right now, I choose to live for you every day of my life I thank you that I'm saved I thank you that I'm set free in Jesus name amen and still with every head bowed yeah let's give God a hand now I just I want us to pray one more thing if we could just bow our heads again I want to pray one more thing I want to ask God right now I want to ask the Holy Spirit to put his finger on areas of our life that are getting in the way of him. Maybe those things in life that have crept in, maybe us knowing, maybe us not even being aware. But I want to ask God right now to put his finger on some of those places to bring to our awareness that is maybe pulling our anchor up a little bit. So, Father God, we ask that right now tonight in this place. We ask, Lord, put your finger on those areas of our lives, of our hearts, Father, that we have let slip a little bit, that we have maybe given the enemy some traction. Right now, we just come against that in Jesus' name, and we ask, Father, 
that you would come and do what only you can do. Lord, we want our anchor deep and solid on your foundation because you are the one who does not move. And so, Father, we pray that we bring those things right now to you. And we thank you, Father, for your conviction. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us and guide us. Because at the end of the day, we know that you know best and we want to walk with you. We want our anchor solid in you every day. We cannot do this without you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen, amen.